You are Locked On Kings, your daily podcast on the Sacramento Kings. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Is it possible that Sacramento Kings forward Nemanja Bialica was better statistically across the board this season, yet still worse for the Kings than he was last season? We're going to look at him in today's Sacramento Kings 2019-2020 performance evaluation, plus my favorite game from the 2013-2014 Sacramento Kings season on today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome into Locked on Kings, your hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all regular season, all off season. If you're looking for in-depth analysis, game-by-game breakdowns, highlights, interviews with local and national experts, full coverage of the Sacramento Kings from January through December. Yes, including these months of no basketball, no sports period because of a global pandemic. This is the place for you, the hub for Sacramento Kings coverage, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I've been a Sacramento sports radio host for over the last five years actually approaching my sixth year anniversary in Sacramento sports radio and this was my sixth season covering the Kings before it abruptly ended both as an on-air host and a multimedia journalist and reporter. Continuing our player evaluations and performance evaluations today we've done Harrison Barnes Corey Joseph and Bogdan Bogdanovich. So today we're doing Nemanja Bialica and continuing on with the Locked On Podcast Network's Best Games of All Time series. My little twist on it here uh, for the Sacramento Kings. Best games from each season from 2010 all the way up to this season. So we have plenty to get to today. This episode of the Locked On Kings podcast is brought to you by Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the planet. I'll tell you a little bit more about them later on and my awesome experience with them. I'm telling you, after you have one of these bars, you're going to want to eat them every single day, maybe for the rest of your life. They are that good. And I'll tell you about them more later on in the podcast. But let's dive into this performance evaluation for Nemanja Bialica, Sacramento Kings forward, the sharpshooter from way downtown. He seemingly shoots better from five feet beyond the arc than he does with his toe right next to the line. We'll talk about that and then some today. It's important to know that Bielitsa this season was in the second year of his three-year contract that he signed with the Kings. Next year is his final year of the deal, and he'll be paid the most next year in a single year than he's been paid any time before in this contract. He was paid uh, upwards of $6.7, $6.8 million around that range here this season. Uh, Next season, he will be paid $7.15 million, and he is currently... 32 years old. So keep that in mind. He is uh, over the hump in his career, but the way he plays, he still has years left. And we'll talk about his potential longevity with the Sacramento Kings and if he continues to be a long-term fit with the Kings for the next, let's say, two, three, four seasons uh, towards the end of this performance evaluation. But he started 70 games last season for the Kings. We're talking about the 2018-2019 season. Under Dave Yeager, he was primarily the starting four, a stretch four to pair alongside Willie Colley. Stein. Jaeger, we know he wasn't too fond of starting rookies right out of the gate until they had earned it, so that's why Marvin Bagley spent basically all of his rookie season coming off the bench. This season, under Luke Walton, Bielitsa was supposed to be a primary bench scorer and stretch big, but became a starter again after the Marvin Bagley injury at the beginning of the season, that Phoenix game. And I keep bringing this up in in a bunch of different performance evaluations, and I brought it up a lot over the course of this season. And I know some fans are tired of hearing the excuse of the Kings were injured and it switched everything up, but the Kings were injured and it switched everything up. The plan changed after one game because the Kings lost 
their primary starting four to injury. And Nemanja Bialica was the guy that had to come in and fill that gap. And in my opinion, both supported by statistics and the eye test, I believe that at worst, Bielitsa has done an admirable job covering for Marvin Bagley and becoming the primary king starting four once again. So let's compare some of the statistics for Bielitsa last season, 2018-2019, where he started 70 games for the Kings, versus this season, uh, where he started a little less than that, around 61-62 games for the Kings. Last season... Bielitsa averaged 9.6 points, shot 47% from the field, 40% from three-point range, averaged 5.8 rebounds, 1.9 assists in 23.2 minutes a game in 2018-2019. This season, all of his numbers are up across the board. His scoring is up from 9.6 to 11.9 points per game. Shooting percentage is the same at 47% from the field, but up 2% to 42%. From three-point range, his rebounds are up to 6.4 a game, his assists are up to 2.8 a game, and he's playing on average 28.5 minutes, so about a five-minute increase from last season to this season. That right there seems like the obvious explanation for why his numbers are up. You get more playing time, you get more opportunity to put up better numbers, uh, hence why Bielitsa has seen these increases. However, I think it goes deeper than that. Nemanja Bielitsa has been much more active on both ends of the floor. The more playing time has allowed him to get more comfortable with different lineups, and I enjoy the versatility uh, that Bielitsa brings, his capability of playing with the starters and fitting in well there, knowing his role and fitting in with the bench unit as well when his role doesn't really change. On offense, he's spacing the floor. In half-court offensive sets, you can use him in pick-and-pop situations. You can use him as a trailer when you're trying to run in transition. And then defensively, I wouldn't say he's a liability. He's definitely not a good defender. But as some of these numbers I'll share with you show, he's more active defensively than we give him credit for. If you're looking for a good stat to try and measure how active a player is defensively, deflections is a fantastic number to look at. And typically there is an assistant coach or a statistician sitting on the bench of every single NBA team that their job, their main job is to pay attention to and track the amount of deflections their team gets on the defensive end of the floor. Because deflections disrupt the flow of an offense and oftentimes lead to turnovers. And if nothing else, you're preventing your opponents from getting the ball where they want and doing what they want to do. Bielitsa has been great for the Kings in terms of deflections. He averages 2.1 a game, which is higher than fellow forwards and bigs, including LeBron James, Brandon Ingram, and Carl Anthony Towns. On the Kings, though, he's behind De'Aaron Fox, Kent Bazemore, Rashawn Holmes, and Bogdan Bogdanovich in terms of deflections. But that's not a bad thing. De'Aaron Fox leads the team, as guards typically do with just over three deflections a game. But what's interesting is, and like I teased at the beginning of the podcast, even though Bielitsa's numbers are up across the board, is it possible that he is actually having a worse season? Well, we know the Kings as a whole are having a worse year this year than they did last year. The win column shows that. But beyond that, even though the numbers are better this year, was Bielitsa overall more effective for the Kings last year? 
I think that's a legitimate question. Look at his offensive rating changes from last season to this season. He dropped from 111.5, and the higher the offensive rating, the better, down to 109.4. Not a steep drop-off, but even though his statistics are up, his numbers are up this year, his offensive efficiency and offensive net rating is down. Defensively, his net rating is worse as well. He went up from 108.7 to 111.6. Defensive net rating, the higher it is, the worse it is. And 100 is typically average. So, Bielitsa's offensive and defensive net rating is worse this season, but that doesn't all have to be on him alone. Let's look at his shooting percentages. This year, he's having a great year shooting the basketball. He's shooting 41% on catch-and-shoot threes, 46% on pull-up threes, 47% off of one-dribble pull-ups, 55% from threes when he is tightly guarded, meaning he has a defender between two and four feet of him. It's been a great shooting season for Bielitsa, which is exactly what you want from him. So even though his net rating is down, with his numbers going up and his shooting percentage where it's at, if I'm the Kings, I'm absolutely thrilled with what I've gotten out of Bielitsa, at least on paper. But what about the eye test? Everybody's eye test is different, but mine says, having watched him play every game this season, Bielitsa is still a fantastic fit with the overall Kings offensive system. He showed his ability to run or be the trailer in Jaeger's fast-paced offense, and he can play pick-and-pop or pick-and-roll and space the floor in Luke Walton's half-court offense. To me, he's a starter on an average team, but he can be a very solid bench contributor on a great team. He has the potential to be that guy to come in off the bench, not be a massive liability defensively, who can help space the floor, who can get you 10 to 15 points on any given night in 15 to 20 minutes if you give him that much playing time. He's consistent. He's solid. You know what he's going to do, but he's still hard to stop because so much attention is on everybody else that you almost forget about him on the perimeter, and that's where he kills you. But the eye test also does pick up where he struggles, which is on defense. He has slow feet, uh, but he does have quick hands that sometimes, not all the time, not consistently, but sometimes his quick hands will bail him out when his horizontal quickness just isn't there. So again, we visit the question, was Nemanja Bielica better this season or last season for the Sacramento Kings? It's kind of a two-part answer. Individually, Bielitsa was better. But for the Kings, he was worse. However, you cannot blame Bielitsa for the drop-off on the Kings this year in his offensive and defensive net rating when the team as a whole dropped off. It's a new system, it was a tough adjustment, and on top of that, he went from expecting to be a primary bench scorer to immediately back into the starting power forward spot. For the most part, I think it evens itself out. However, I guess the best way that I can put it is if you're the Sacramento Kings, seeing the numbers and the contribution that Bielitsa has made, weighing his strengths versus his weaknesses, you have to be thrilled with what you've gotten out of Bielitsa. His contract is an absolute bargain, and there's no reason to expect, even though he's now 32 years old, that he won't continue to provide close to that level of production if it even drops off. We know with their Serbian ties that Vladi and Peja have a fantastic relationship with Bielica. It's Vladi's already established relationship with Bielica that convinced him to sign with the Kings in the first place and not take his talents back to Europe. So I think a potential short-term re-sign of Bielica on the horizon would be very beneficial for the Kings. We're talking to maybe another three-year contract at the absolute most. 
I think we all agree that the ideal scenario for the Kings starting next season is to have Rashawn Holmes and Marvin Bagley starting next to each other, Holmes at the five and Bagley at the four. Although, of course, there are question marks there. And it seems like, in the short term, Bielitsa would be the better fit next to either of those guys because of his ability to shoot and stay away from the paint so Holmes or Bagley can have their freedom to work inside. However, long term, it's still to be determined, and the Kings can't rely on Bielitsa to be that long-term answer at that starting four spot. My overall thoughts, Bielitsa is a great piece for the Kings. I really enjoy him. I think he fits very, very well. He's versatile. He's not horrific on the defensive end of the floor, even though he does struggle there at times. Again, if I'm the Sacramento Kings, I'm thrilled with what I've gotten out of Bielitsa this year, and I'm very thankful to have him on my roster where I know he can be effective off the bench. But if I need him to play starting minutes, he can deliver there as well. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time for me to tell you about the best tasting protein bar on the planet, Built Bar. And I'm not just blowing smoke here. This bar is incredible. They're so tasty. They're so good for you. They're so nutritious. Let me tell you a little bit about them. They are incredibly tasty. It's a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. They have 16 amazing flavors, 8 chocolate nut flavors, and 8 chocolate nut free flavors. They're covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and they're easy to chew. I'll be completely honest with you. I am not a fan of protein bars. I've never found a protein bar that I really honestly enjoy and would eat day in and day out over and over again until I had Built Bar. Not blowing smoke. I'm serious. These things are so good. I am such a picky eater. Ask anybody who knows me how picky of an eater I am and Built Bar passes all of my tests. They were nice enough to send us a box to try and my wife and I devoured them in a couple of days. We got through them so quickly and enjoyed them so much that we had to order another few boxes which were anxiously waiting for them to arrive. I actually think they're supposed to arrive today. Thank goodness. But check this out. Not only are Built Bars delicious... They're incredibly healthy. They're great for the health-conscious guy or girl you can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. They're low-calorie, low-sugar, but high-protein and high-fiber. Let me give you a couple of examples here. The first one, the peanut butter brownie bar, my wife's favorite. 20 grams of protein, 170 calories, 3 grams of sugar, 3 grams of net carbs. Now my favorite, the mint brownie bar. 15 grams of protein, 110 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 5 grams of net carbs. And check this out. I've had a lot of protein bars and protein snacks that say they taste one way, but you actually taste it, and that's not exactly all you get. Maybe you get a hint of mint brownie, or maybe you get a hint of peanut butter, but it's mostly just you can taste the protein powder, and you can taste everything else that they put in it. This bar is exactly as advertised. I take a bite into a mint brownie built bar, and it tastes like I'm biting into a mint brownie. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON, all one word, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, and you'll get $10 off your first order. I'm telling you, it is an absolute right decision. Just try them out. Get yourself one box and tell me you don't buy another two, three, or four boxes. Use promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. It is time for the best game of the 2013-2014 Sacramento Kings regular season. If you're not familiar with this series, the Locked On Podcast Network asked all the individual local podcasts for all 30 NBA teams uh, to highlight some of the best games in the history of their franchise. And I decided to tweak it a little bit, to change it a little bit. 
instead of doing all-time Sacramento Kings, I wanted to do from 2010 all the way to 2020. It was a rough decade for the Kings, but it's good to be reminded of the fun moments and the great games that were scattered throughout there because there were a lot that I attended both as a fan and as a media member that I really enjoyed, so I wanted to highlight them. And on today's show, we are highlighting Friday, December 27th, 2013, when LeBron James and the defending champion Miami Heat came to Sacramento. The Kings took them to overtime and beat them in exciting fashion. The Heat had just blown out the Kings seven days earlier, 122-103 to in Miami. In that game, Chris Bosh led the way with 25 points. Dwayne Wade provided 20 points, and LeBron James provided 18. But the Heat were shorthanded in their rematch against the Kings. No Dwayne Wade and no Ray Allen in that game, and the Kings made him pay. Here was the Heat starting five. Mario Chalmers, Roger Mason Jr., LeBron James, Shane Battier, and Chris Bosh. Still a very formidable lineup for the Kings to go up against. The Kings starting five was Isaiah Thomas, Ben McLemore, Rudy Gay, Jason Thompson, and DeMarcus Cousins. Rather than me tell you about the game, why don't you hear all of these incredible highlights? It's a lot of highlights from this game. It was just that good of a contest. As called by G-Man, the Kings fall behind early, make a roaring comeback, take the chance to overtime, and secure the W. Rudy takes it up the floor, and from behind, it's grabbed by Chalmers, leads it out to Globon, windmill jam, took his time, just wound up, said I'll deliver a little show here for the folks, and it's a 15-point game at 21-6. Marcus Thornton now, crowded on the perimeter, feeds to Cousins, he's going strong, big rip by Boogie Cousins. He had the angle on Bosch that time, and that was a perfect lead bounce pass from Marcus Thornton for the assist. Outlaw accelerates to the front court, challenged by Beasley, drives into the lane, gives it up to Quincy Acey, look out below. Big time monster throwdown. One thing about Quincy Acey, the bearded one, when he winds up, you know it's gonna go down hard. Enters now to Gay, Gay with room to work against James. Step back, Rudy, got it, two ball. Standing on the three-point line, Gay has a quiet eight points. Rudy has now hit four of nine from the field. Cousins now to Rudy Gay, isolated right wing. Will it be a step back? Yes, indeed, over LeBron. He's got another one. Rudy's got double digits. Eric Spolstra now sees the Kings pull within six and calls a timeout. And there's revived hope for Kings fans at Sleep Train Arena. He takes the feed now, drives it hard right. In the lane, draws a foul, gets the bounce. It'll be an and one opportunity for Rudy Gay. Now tell me, Jason Ross, did you think that one was going in on the release? You know, we have a funny angle here. Honestly, I thought he passed it. Here's a steal by Isaiah. He's chased up the floor. He drives to the rack. He spins it up and he scores it. And this is now a 67-65 ball game. That's got the fans fired up. A steal and conversion by Isaiah Thomas. Now trying to abuse him. Splits a double team and scores. Beasley rotated in there to help out. And DeMarcus was able to power it to the rim. Beasley with Cousins on him. Drives it right. Up scoop. Comes up short. Ball tipped off the glass. Grabbed by DeMarcus. He takes it all the way to the front court. Feeds it ahead to Thompson. Going with that. He's got the bucket. We've got a tie game. 69-69. The last tie was 4-4. Four Three minutes to go in the third. And look at those beat the heat towels being waved here at Sleep Train Arena. Now the joint is jumping. Now the inbounds goes to Isaiah Thomas. This is the possession. 
Rudy Gay at the elbow, spins, fall away 15-footer. He's got the bucket. Oh, what a beauty that was by Rudy Gay, who now has 21 points and has tied the score at 89. And we're down now to the final minute of regulation. No timeout taken by Spolstra. The two-time defending champion NBA Heat who have won six in a row, who've beaten the Kings 10 straight times, have LeBron going for three in the lead. It's no good at the end of regulation. We are going to overtime in Sacramento. And Rudy Gay for three. Score the triple. Rudy Gay now has scored 24 points in this one. He's hit 11 of 19. Kings lead 92 to 89. That equals their biggest lead of the ball game. Gay from the paint. Pops out on top, sets a pick. Isaiah drives it left, pulls up, 15-footer on the way. He's got the bucket, and the Kings have their biggest lead in this contest. They're on top, 94-89, and this crowd in Sacramento is elated, to say the least. Still a ton of time to go for the defending champions. 2.22 to go in overtime. The lob to Cousins, low post. Creates a shot at the rim. It's short, no good. Gathers it back, puts it up and scores it. And the Kings now lead it 98-93 to 11 to go. Cousins now has 24 points and 16 rebounds. Isaiah hit a huge three earlier. He drives it, he scoops it high in the window. It's no good, but it's tipped in down inside. DeMarcus Cousins with the tip. And the lead goes back to seven at 104-97. It's 27 points for DeMarcus Cousins. And Spolstra takes a 20-second timeout. Boy, what a job by DeMarcus Cousins. A high teardrop floater. Almost hit the top of the backboard. Came down, rattled for a moment. And then as it jumped out of the cylinder, Cousins tipped it in. And the Kings lead it 104-97. to Chalmers lets it roll to half court, picks it up. He gives to LeBron, step back three. Can he do it again? Yes, he's hit his third consecutive three. It's now a one possession game, 12 seconds to go. Heat have to foul, they foul Isaiah Thomas. 106-103, LeBron has 33 points, including back to back to back triples in overtime. Here comes LeBron on the run. He cranks up the transition three. He misses this one. The Kings mishandle it. Thornton saves it on the end line. Thornton wiggles his way clear, and the Sacramento Kings have defeated the two-time defending champion Miami Heat. They put an end to 10 consecutive losses to Miami, and for the first time since March of 2008, the Kings have defeated the Heat. The final score, 108. 103 in overtime. Oh, it's a good night to be a Sacramento Kings fan. Those final words by Gary Gerald there perfectly sum up why I'm doing this series. That night, it was a great night to be a Sacramento Kings fan, even though the Kings struggled that year. And we'll get to their final record in a bit. At least on that night, we left Arco Arena or Slave Train Arena, whatever the hell it was called. We left that building thrilled that the Kings were able to handle the defending champions. It was a great night and it made us forget all the struggles, at least for a 24-hour period. Sacramento trailed by as much as 17 points in this game early on, but they came back to defeat the Heat in overtime. 27 points and 17 rebounds for DeMarcus Cousins. Rudy Gay added 26 points for the Kings, and Isaiah Thomas tallied 22 points and 11 assists for the Heat. It was LeBron James who led the way with 33 points. Chris Bosh had 18.
Even though the Kings finished that season just 28-54 and overall, it was still a feel-good season with the relief of the team permanently staying in Sacramento and wins like that one over LeBron James and the defending champions. Now it is your turn. Let me know your thoughts on the Nemanja Bjelica performance evaluation. Do you agree with me? Do you disagree with me? Anything you want to add, just share your input. You can do that on Twitter, at MattGeorgeKHDK, or if you're not on Twitter and you want to email me, you can do that as well, mgeorge at saclocalmedia.com. Also, maybe you were at this game when the Kings came back and defeated the defending champion Heat and LeBron James in overtime. If you were, share your memories with me from being there. Maybe you watched that game from home, but it was special for you for some reason. Let me know at MattGeorgeKHDK on Twitter and George at SacLocalMedia.com. We will be back for another performance evaluation and the 2014-2015 best Sacramento Kings game, so don't you worry about that. Until then, please stay safe, stay healthy, and I will talk with you soon. You have been listening to the Locked On Kings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You are Locked On Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.